First John chapter 5, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, we're looking to finish out the book of First John. We began this all the way back at the beginning of the year. Let's begin in verse 5 and we'll read all the way down through verse 11. The Bible says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Look at verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Uh, way back uh, two months ago, two months ago to the date, actually it would have been, um, let's see, July 26th, I preached the last sermon out of First John, and we looked at how a Christian overcomes the world. And we're going to make a case this evening, or rather John is going to make a case for Christ and proving that Jesus is who he says he is. So the title this evening is John's Case for Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look into this first epistle of uh, that disciple whom Jesus loved, the uh, disciple John, the Apostle John, we look at the case he lays out for why you are our Savior, why you are our way to heaven. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, have a better understanding of it. There may be someone watching online or even in the room that still has yet to put their faith and trust in Christ. And Lord, my prayer this evening is that they'll weigh the evidence and they'll see that Jesus is the Savior. For the rest of us who are saved and have been saved, in many cases years, may this just affirm what we know. May this add to our arsenal of knowledge so we can adequately defend our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, John makes a bold proclamation when he says in verse number 5, look there with me at verse number 5, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. I think of Revelation where it talks about the overcomers. The overcomers. John lays out for us who the overcomers are. Uh, that idea of being an overcomer would maybe seem to imply that you have to do something to overcome. The way we overcome this world is not by an action. It's uh, by belief. It's not by going out and accomplishing some great feat. It's not by offering the Lord our, our works the way Cain did. Rather, it's trusting and obeying the way Abel did and believing that the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus uh, Christ, is the Son of God, is the Messiah, and He is the Christ. In order to pass from death unto eternal life, you must accept Jesus for who He claims to be. And who does Jesus claim to be? Well, He claims to be the Alpha and Omega. He claims to be the beginning and the end, the first and the last the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Great I Am. He said, I am the Good Shepherd, I am the Resurrection and the Life, I am the Door, I am the Light of the World, I am the Bread of Life, I am the True Vine. And, and then in John fourteen six, He said, I am the Way, 
the truth, and the life. Who does Jesus claim to be? When pressed by the Pharisees and the scribes, he said this, I and my Father are one. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah of the Old Testament. He claimed to be the Messiah of the Old Testament. He claimed to be the promised one, the chosen one. Jesus claimed to be the completion of Abraham's covenant, the completion of Judah's promise, uh, the completion of David's covenant. Jesus was the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy, and he'll fulfill the rest of it in his second coming. And what does John tell us in his epistle? He says this, he says that if you want to overcome the world, then you must accept that Jesus is who he claims to be. If you want to overcome this world and pass from death unto life, then you must believe that Jesus is deity. He is the Son of God. John is going to move forward making his case. And he's going to call several witnesses to the proverbial stand. These witnesses will testify that Jesus is the Redeemer of mankind. As we cover the book of First John verse by verse, we come to a very simple but important truth. Here's the truth. Jesus is God. Amen? Let me say that again. Jesus is God. Boy, that's critical. Don't ever let Satan fool you. Listen, there are a whole lot of quote-unquote churches out there, religious institutions out there that call into question the deity of Christ. Call into question whether or not Jesus is indeed the Messiah. Those from a, Ju- a, a, a Judean faith would, 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 would say that Jesus isn't even the Messiah, that they're still waiting on the Messiah, but Jesus made the bold claim that He is the Christ, and we must call on His name for salvation. Listen, it requires a pure faith and a heart full of faith in Jesus as God's Son in order for one to be saved from hell and saved to heaven. John is going to call several witnesses to the stand. Some of these witnesses will be earthly. Some of the evidence will be material. Some of these witnesses will be heavenly. But for everyone and everything that he calls uh, into court, the testimony will scream the same thing. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Savior of mankind. Let's go with John into the courtroom and consider six testimony, six testimonies of Christ's deity. Testimony number one. The testimony of Christ's Baptism, the testimony of Christ's baptism. Look down with me at 1 John chapter 5, and uh, let's look at verse number 5. It says there, Who is he that overcometh the world? Notice the proposition here, how do we overcome the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, but, well, John, that is a bold statement. It is a bold statement for you to claim that this human Jesus was indeed God on earth. John, what evidence do you provide? Look at verse 6. This is he that came by water 
and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. Now, we'll get to the blood part here in a minute, but if you can, turn over to Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 13. If you received an outline uh, this evening on your way in, feel free to cheat ahead and turn over to the passages a little bit early uh, where you see that we have one coming up uh, for sake of time. Matthew chapter 4, and look with me at verse number 13. Here we find Jesus entering public ministry where he's going to be baptized. Here where it's talking about by water, in my opinion, my strong opinion, and I and listen, uh, last week, last Sunday morning, I shared that several commentaries had different opinions on a passage. Every single source I have read, every single person I've talked to agrees that 1 John 5, 6 is talking about the baptism of Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the border of Zabulon and Nephthalim, uh, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of, uh, of, of Zabulon and the land of Nephthalim by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. That people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, uh, light, it sprang up. From the time Jesus began to preach and repent, uh, and, and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I've, I've uh, given you the wrong passage here. Let me get over to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, I've got it in my notes here. Matthew chapter 4, instead look with me at 23, uh, verse number 23 here. Let me back up. Looking for the passage where he gets baptized here. We gave the wrong verses. My apologies. Chapter 3, verse 16. Thank you. I think I was just a chapter off. Yes. Uh, look at 13. It says, then, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Here it is. But John forbade him, saying, I have need, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it, uh, uh, suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Look at the event here, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened upon him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, what do we have here? We have the testimony of Christ's baptism. Boy, I wish I could have been there to see Jesus get baptized. I wish I could have been there to see John humbly say, no, you should be baptizing me. And, 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 John, and Jesus says to John, listen, it's not about who's qualified. You are going to baptize me. And so uh, uh, let's, let's get it over with. So John dips Jesus down into the Jordan River. And when Jesus comes out of the, the, the river, there's a dove that flies over the head of Jesus. The Bible tells us that dove was the Holy Ghost. And then audibly, God spoke and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wow, what a special occasion. All three parts of the Trinity present in the same place on earth at the same time. Boy, that only happened a couple of times. That must have been very, very special. Uh, Jesus' ministry was endorsed audibly by the voice of God and physically by the presence of the Holy Spirit 
in the form of a dove. John says if we're going to bring in material evidence, if we're going to talk about the validity of Jesus as being deity, look at His baptism. Look where He was brought into ministry by water. Look at the endorsement that was physical, that was material, that was, uh, 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 that was uh, viewed by man itself. So the testimony of Christ's baptism. Again, let's go into the courtroom with John and let's look at the case he's making for Christ. Notice number two, the testimony of Christ's blood. The testimony of Christ's blood. Look at First John chapter 5 and look with me at verse number 5. It says, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, came by blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, the blood of Jesus. Oh, many people want to do away with the blood of Jesus. There are hymnals that are uh, being uh, pushed around Protestant churches and even some Baptist churches and various associations that remove songs about the blood. There are versions of the Bible in the English language that that undermine the, the blood of Christ. There are theologians that write commentaries that want to say that the blood of Jesus did not matter. And uh, His death is what mattered, but there's nothing material about His blood that matters. And I would say uh, strongly that the Scripture disagrees with that view. The blood of Jesus is very important. And not just symbolically, the physical blood of Jesus mattered. You see, it is our blood that gives us life. If we were to take the blood out of your body, you would cease to live. If you started having blood problems and uh, there began to be abnormalities uh, and defects in your blood, you would have major health, health problems. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. You know that blood has a voice? When Cain was murdered, what happened, uh, rather when Abel was murdered by Cain, the Lord came down and cornered Cain and he said, what did you do to your brother? And he said, I am not my brother's keeper. And then the Lord said, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You know, um, Abel's voice cried for vengeance. Watch this. Jesus' blood cries for victory. Jesus' blood cries out and says, save their souls. You know, um, uh, Cain's blood cried out to God, or rather Abel's blood cried out to God and said, uh, I was murdered, what are you going to do about it? Uh, how are you going to punish Cain? How will you uh, uh, bring uh, fairness and justice to this? And so Cain, or rather Abel's blood, cried for justice. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. The blood of Jesus wants to wash away our sins. If you don't believe that Jesus' blood mattered, let me read for you some verses here. Uh, by the way, go ahead and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 for me. 1 Peter chapter 1. While you're turning there, Jesus said this in the upper room in Matthew 26, 28, uh, that last supper, that honoring of that last Passover before He was killed on the cross. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, For this is My blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The blood of Jesus is the laundry detergent. It is the soap that takes our sins 
off of our souls, that washes it off of our record. Look at First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18 with me. Again, what proofs do we have that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the testimony of Christ's blood? First Peter 1.18 For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Hey, what's Peter saying here? You can earn all the money in the world. That's not going to buy you one step into heaven. Look at verse 19. How does the person get into heaven? But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hey, you show up to heaven with your wealth, and God says that's not accepted here. You show up to heaven with a, a soul that's been washed clean of your sins because you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that blood will have washed away your sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You're in First Peter. Turn just a couple of pages over to the right to the book of Revelation chapter number 1. Look at Revelation chapter number 1 and look at verse number 5. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the blood of Jesus just doesn't matter. Boy, if you are hung up on that or don't understand that, go study the sacrifices in Leviticus and then turn and study Hebrews chapter number 9 where it lays out so clearly the importance of the blood of Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. The Bible says in from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Oh boy, I think of when I was a young man and I'd get my shirt all dirty and it wasn't just enough to throw it in the washing machine. That wasn't going to get all the stains out. Where there's grass stains from wrestling around in the grass with a neighborhood boy or taking a tumble off my bicycle and into someone's lawn or uh, there was uh, dirt and, and, and grime maybe on the back of my collar uh, after uh, wearing a dress shirt all day. And my mom would take special soap and she'd get in there with her elbow grease and she'd press down and wash that one stain extra before she put it in the washing machine. My friend, there is no better cleansing agent for your soul than the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood takes away our sins. Boy, what are the testimonies, the evidence, the testifiers that John is laying out for us as he makes his case for Christ? We see the testimony of Christ's baptism, the testimony of Christ's blood. Notice number three, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. The testimony of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 6. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit. Notice the capital S. That's a name. That's a person. That's the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is Truth. The Spirit is truth. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me over to John chapter number 16 and verse number 7. Boy, the Spirit, He has come into the world uh, to testify that Jesus is 
the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. We looked earlier at how the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning of Jesus' ministry at His baptism. We know from studying the doctrine of the Holy Spirit that it was Jesus that raised, or rather the Holy Spirit, that raised up Jesus from the dead. It is the Holy Spirit that takes the blood of Jesus and washes away our sins. It is the Holy Spirit that seals us unto the day of redemption. Oh, He plays an integral role, but one of His roles is to convict the world that Jesus is the Savior and draw them unto Him. Look at John 16, verse number 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus is speaking here, For if I go not away, the Comforter, or the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. And when He has come, He will, look here, reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on Me. Who is speaking here? Jesus. Jesus is saying, because the world will not believe on Me, the Holy Spirit will come to convict them of sin and draw them to a choice about Me, Jesus is saying. Look here again. Of sin, because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness, because I go to My Father and ye see Me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world, or Satan, is judged. Who is a testifier of the Holy, of, of the, of the, of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, He is deity? It is the Holy Spirit. I have been amazed that, uh, over the years, I have been able to go door to door and knock on a stranger's door and get them to answer the door and engage in conversation with me. Or maybe I've met someone at a park or on a sidewalk or at a restaurant and I've been able to engage them about Jesus Christ. And you know what I'm always amazed at? is people who will listen to the gospel truth, how many of them choose to accept Christ. And I can already hear the rebuttal argument. Well, that's because we live in a Judeo-Christian country, and people already know who Jesus is, and they're set up to believe. Do you know that there are missionaries that go to corners of the planet where the name of Jesus has never been used in any way but a cuss word? They know not who Jesus is, and they preach Jesus, and people make decisions to trust Him as well there. Now, how can that be? How can that be? Please hear me out. If Jesus was not the Christ, why are we still talking about Him all over this planet 2,000 years later? Boy, there's something powerful in that name. Amen? Furthermore, if I were to pull in an adult, and I were to try to convince him that the Easter Bunny was real, You know what he'd do? He'd laugh at me. It doesn't matter how much, uh, uh, how convincing I am, how much of a salesman I am, I am not going to get an adult man or woman uh, that has normal faculties to buy into the fact that the Easter Bunny is real and not, and if you're a child in here and I've just crushed your world, I'm sorry. All right, I I chose which character very carefully here, okay? Uh, But um, uh, listen, uh, uh, why is it that I would never be able to convince someone that the Easter Bunny is real, but I can convince someone that Jesus left heaven? He was born through the womb of a virgin. Now, let's be honest. Doesn't this sound just as out there as the Easter Bunny? That someone could be born through the womb of a virgin? That they could live a sinless life? 
that, that they could never one time do wrong, and that, that, that they could be killed and then raise themselves up from the dead? Boy, that sounds crazy, but people buy into it and they believe it. Why? Because while I'm expressing it to someone who's lost, the Holy Spirit of God is knocking on their heart's door saying, listen to him. You know he's right. Listen to him. Open your heart. Believe and receive. Why is it that people are convinced that Jesus is the Christ? Because the Holy Spirit is alive and active in this world today, persuading people to accept Christ. The testimony of the Holy Spirit. We're entering into the proverbial courtroom with John, and John is making his case for why Jesus is the Christ. Notice the fourth testimony here, the testimony of heaven's trinity. The testimony of heaven's trinity. Look at verse John chapter 5 and verse number 7. Now, before I read the verse, can I tell you this, that one of the, uh, the attacks that we find on the Bible is an attack on the doctrine of the Trinity. And there is not a verse in the entire Bible that spells out the Trinity any more clear than 1 John 5, 7. Anybody want to guess which one of the verses in the Bible has been removed from many Bibles? 1 John 5, 7. There's a lot of Bibles where you have verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and then verse 8 and verse 9. And they're even numbered that way. And verse 7 is just missing. And they say, oh, well, that wasn't in the original manuscripts. Oh, yes, it was. Oh, yes, it was. Look at verse 7. It says this, For there are three that bear record or give witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. These three are one. In heaven, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Now, you notice there uh, that Jesus is called the Word. Let me show you how that works here. Uh, let's see here. Take your Bibles all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to show you that the Trinity exists in the first three verses of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, and look at verse number 1. Verse number 1 with me. The Bible says, In the beginning, I'll begin reading and catch up when you get there, God created the heaven and the earth. That uh, God there, the name for God there, I believe is Elohim, which is a name for God the Father. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, or the Holy Ghost, moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. That was the first time that Jesus touched earth, that Jesus touched earth, let there be light. And there was light. Look at verse number 26. We see here that God is singular and plural all at the same time. Look here, the Bible says, and God. Now, is, is that name God, is that singular or plural? Not a trick question. Singular, all right? God said, look here, let us. What pronoun did God choose for himself? Plural. So a singular God chose to describe himself with a plural pronoun. Look here. God said, let us make man in our image. We see that God is three in one, going all the way back to the first chapter of the Bible. And after, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, mankind is three in one. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. We're made, we're made in the image of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We are, we are also three in one. And God is three 
in one. All right, take your Bibles over to John chapter number one, not first John. That's the epistle. Go to John, the gospel, John chapter number one. I know I got you moving your fingers moving quite a bit tonight, but hey, that's the best way to learn your Bible. How many of you know your way around the Bible because of going to church? Let me see your hand. Going to church has helped you learn your way around the Bible, and uh, that's important. If you can't keep up quite yet, just keep working at it. You'll get there. Look at John chapter 1. Now, notice here how John 1, 1 through 3 parallels Genesis 1, 1 through 3. All right? It says here, in the beginning was the Word. And by the way, that capital W means it is a proper pronoun or a name. Uh, as a person was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look how this is structured to match or parallel Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Look at verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made, speaking of the Word, that was made. Verse 14 tells us that the Word was made manifest and dwelt among among men. And so the word became human. The word the word or Jesus became flesh. Uh, first John, first John, go back to first John. We're in, we're, we're in chapter five. Look at the very first two verses of the epistle of first John, first John chapter number one. And look at verse number one here. It says, and again, we see the writing style of John. He's going to open up his epistle similar to the way he opened up his gospel. Look at verse one of the chapter that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life for the life. Life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was the Father, and was manifested unto us. So, the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three that bear record in heaven. 1 John 5 tells us. 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Now, let me, uh, let's, uh, if you would, let's consider a couple more verses here. And I want to show you how the Trinity works together to authenticate that Jesus is the Christ. Listen to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Let me read this for you. Please listen intently. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over uh, the which, look at how all three are present here, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, hath made you pastors, hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he, Jesus, hath purchased with his own blood. Boy, the pastors have to do their job well, because they're going to give an account to God the Father uh, for how well they handle the church, which was entrusted to them by the Holy Ghost, and was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see how all three there fit in the same uh, 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 verse. All three are structured to work together. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. I love, 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 love this verse. This is one of the few verses in the Bible, again, where all three of the Trinity are found in the same verse. Listen here. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offer Himself without spot to God, God the Father, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Make no mistake about it, boy, in heaven they know that Jesus is the Christ. There are three that bear record. What are they bearing record of? Let's keep it in context of the passage. They're bearing record that Jesus is the Son of God. Number one, testimony number one, the testimony of Christ's baptism. Number two, the testimony of Christ's blood. Then we see the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And then the testimony of heaven's trinity. Number five, notice the testimony of earth's 
Trinity. Now, I use that word Trinity loosely here. It's the best word I could find. Uh, not Trinity in the, in the sense that they're all the same thing, but Trinity in thought. Look at First John chapter 5 and verse 8. Look there. It says, And there are three that bear witness in earth, testifiers on planet earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. So we have heaven's testimony, and now we have earth's testimony. Alright? Watch this now. Watch this. We looked at all three of these individually. But how about all of them together? These three, the baptism, the blood, uh, and the Spirit, these three also agree that Jesus is the Christ. What do they agree on? They agree on, uh, they agree on Jesus' ministry was authentic, His baptism. Jesus' mission was achieved, His blood. Jesus' messenger is active, the Spirit. What do these three have in common? They were all tangible on planet Earth. They were all viewed by mankind here on Earth with their own eyeballs. People watched Jesus get baptized. People watched Jesus shed His blood. People watched the Spirit of God descend in the form of a dove. These are Earth's testifiers. And these all authenticate that Jesus is the Christ. Mankind saw the baptism. Mankind saw the blood. Mankind witnessed the Spirit of truth in the form of a dove. These are the earthly testimonies to mankind that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God sent to take away the sins of the world. Look at verse number 9. 1 John 5. Look with me at verse number 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He hath testified of His Son. Now listen, in a courtroom, in a court case, you're going to bring people in to testify either on behalf of the prosecution or of the defense. And what is the jury doing? The jury is weighing both what is said and the authority and authenticity of those who are testifying. And uh, we listen, we'll, we'll decide someone's fate based on what a man or a woman says in a court of law. We'll stand, we'll have a jury come together and one of them stand and say, we find this person to be guilty or not guilty based on what? Based on the proponents of evidence. Based on the testimony of flawed human beings. And what is John saying here? He's saying, if you want me to make the case for Christ, you'll take the word of flawed man, now take the word of a flawless God. The flawless God claims that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Earth's Trinity. Notice number six, and lastly, the testimony within the believer. The testimony within the believer. Now, I'm going to challenge all of us a little bit this evening with this right here. Look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10. This is the last piece of evidence. This is the last testifier that John is calling to the stand. Look at verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. How many of you remember being skeptical about Christ? And then after you made the decision, there was the Spirit of God affirming in your heart that you were right to trust Christ. How many of you know what I'm talking about this evening? You were skeptical, and then you believed, and then all of a sudden you weren't skeptical anymore. 
Amen? You all with me this evening? We awake? Amen? The Spirit bears witness within ourselves. Uh, turn over with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm almost done here. I'm at the very end of my notes. We're almost, we're almost out of here. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 16. The Bible says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I have to tell you, while I'm, while I'm speaking here, if you could turn over to Galatians chapter 4. I have to tell you that there have been times in my Christian life where I have doubted whether or not I was saved. I have doubted whether or not uh, I had it right. Uh, I have even had a faith crisis in my teen years where I wasn't even sure I believed the Bible anymore. I wasn't sure if I believed that God was real. And I had to do some deep soul searching. And I had to do some deep uh, a gut check uh, on myself to see if I really did want to uh, buy in and believe it. Not because my parents had fed it to me, but because I was going to believe it for me. That day had to come for me. And can I tell you one of the great helps was that I had the Holy Spirit of God living in me, and He just kept affirming me in a calm, still voice, Jesus is the Son of God. You did trust Him. He did save you. You are on your way to heaven. The Bible is true. Why? Because God, in the form of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, had moved in and taken up residence inside of me. What a great thing. That affirmation that we are the children of God. I think about an adult child who runs away from home and makes a mess of his or her life, and mom and dad are so disgusted with the way that child lives, that fellowship is totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. Mom and dad don't want to talk to the child, and the child honestly don't want to talk to mom and dad, and there's frustration and anger in the air. You know that at the height of that, the child does not feel like uh, uh, th- that there is any relationship. The child does not feel like the child of the parents. But that doesn't change the fact that that child, son, uh, rather that father, son, mother, son, mother, daughter, father, daughter relationship is still intact. What what am I getting at here this evening? We don't base our salvation on feeling. We don't base it on feeling. Because if we base it on feeling, boy, every other Tuesday I wouldn't feel real saved. Amen? We base it on the truth of Scripture. We base it on the Spirit of God saying within of us, you put your faith in Jesus and He is deity. He is, he is the Christ. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. Boy, there's no greater witness that Jesus is the Christ than the Christian. There's no greater witness. Now, go back to First uh, John 5. Let's look at verse 11. This is the record. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Christian, I don't want to beat you over the head this evening. As they say, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We're a church that is on the go with the gospel. 
But let me just ask you a very basic question. How can the world hear if we don't tell? How can they know if we won't go? We're too timid and afraid to share. You say, well, the baptism of Christ. Yes. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them? This isn't in my notes, but I feel led to do this. Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 with me. If you're watching online at home, these verses won't be on the screen. If you have a Bible near you, I encourage you to pick it up. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 13. And we find there how a person comes to Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? That's what the church is for. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In the church age, God's left it on Christians to go and tell, to share the good news. And there is no greater testimony to a lost person than a changed life. A changed life. How many of you can say this evening that your life was either uh, in a bad place or headed to a bad place before you got saved? Hey, that's a great testimony, isn't it? Share it. Tell others. And let them know. Listen, I got saved as a four-year-old boy. But I know my flesh. And I know that if I hadn't got saved, I would be one bad person today. But for the grace of God, there go I. Let's, Let's share. Let's testify of Christ. John makes his case for Christ. He brings the material evidence of the baptism in the blood. He brings the testifiers of the Trinity. He brings the testifier, lastly... Of the Christian. Let's do our part. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Lord, thank you that you are God. Jesus, thank you for being willing to leave heaven and all of the glitz and glamour and glory that heaven is and be born to lowly peasants in a humble stall in a manger. Lord, grow up a life of anonymity and then take on the form of a servant king and suffer for us. Thank you for being willing to allow our sins to kill you on that tree. And then, Lord, being so much God that you stood up from the dead. Thank you, Lord, that you're alive and well today. Lord, as I have preached this message, those in here that are saved, they had the Spirit of God affirming every step of the way. That's right, that's right, that's right. Jesus is the Christ. But Lord, for those listening in to this message this evening that have not put their faith in You for their salvation, my prayer is that they'll take that faith plunge. 
they'll believe and receive. They'll accept you as their ticket to heaven. They're the only way to heaven. Lord, for those of us that are saved, help us to be active in our witness. Help us to bear witness that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.